This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scott Walter. www.sjwalter.com Bohemian San Francisco, The Elegant Art of Dining, by Clarence Edwards. Section 6. Bohemia of the Present. San Francisco's carefree spirit was fully exemplified before the ashes of the great fire of 1906 were cold. On every hand one could find little eating places established in the streets, some made of abandoned boxes, others of debris from the burned buildings, and some in vacant basements and little storerooms, while a few enterprising individuals improvised wheeled dining rooms and went from one part of the city to another serving meals. The vein of humor of irrepressible effervescence of spirit, born of bohemianism, gave to these eating places high-sounding names, and many were covered with witty signs which laughed in the face of fate. Fillmore became the great business street of the city now in ashes, and here were established the first restaurants of any pretensions, the Louvre being the first to open an establishment that had the old-time appearance. This was on the corner of Fillmore and Ellis, and had large patronage, it being crowded nightly with men and women who seemed to forget that San Francisco had been destroyed. Thompson opened a large restaurant in O'Farrell Street, just above Fillmore, and for two years or more did a thriving business, his place being noted for its good cooking and its splendid service. One of his waiters, Phil Tyson, was one of the earlier ones to go back into the Burn District to begin business, and he opened a restaurant called the Del Monte in Powell Street near Market but it was too early for success and closed after a short career. Thompson enlisted others to join with him in opening a magnificent place under the new flood building at the corner of Powell and Market Street, but through faulty understanding of financial power, Thompson was compelled to give up his interest and the place afterward closed. It has since been reopened under the name of the Portola Louvre, where now crowds assemble nightly to listen to music and witness cabaret performances. Here, as well as in a number of other places, one can well appreciate the colloquial definition of cabaret, that which takes the rest out of restaurant and puts the din in dinner. If one likes noise and distraction while eating, such places are good to patronize. Across the street from the Portola Louvre at 15 Powell Street is the modernized Tekau Tavern, now known as Tekau's. Here there is always good music and food well cooked and well served and always a lively crowd during the luncheon, dinner, and after theater hours. The room is not large, but its dimensions are greatly magnified owing to the covering of mirrors which line the walls. This garish display of mirrors and elaborate decoration of ceiling and pillars gives it the appearance of the abode of Saturnalia, but decorum is the rule among the patrons. Around at 168 O'Farrell Street, just opposite the Orpheum Theater, is Tate Zinkand Restaurant, or as it is more popularly known, Tate's. John Tate is the presiding spirit here, he having made reputation as club manager and then as manager of the Cliff House. One of the partners here was Carl Zinken, who ran the old Zinkens before the fire. While these three restaurants are of similar type, neither has the pre-fire atmosphere. They are lively, always, with music and gay throngs, and serve good food. One of the early restaurants established after the fire was Blanco's at 857 O'Farrell Street, and later Blanco opened the Poodle Dog in Mason Street just above Eddy. Both of these restaurants are of the old French type and are a high class in every respect. The Poodle Dog has a hotel attachment where one may get rooms or full apartments. 
If you know how to order, and do not care to count the cost when you order, probably the best dinner at these restaurants can be had at either Blanco's or the Poodle Dog. The cuisine is of the best, and the chefs rank at the top of their art. Prices are higher than at the other restaurants mentioned, but one certainly gets the best there is prepared, in the best way. But the same food, prepared equally well, is to be found in a number of less pretentious places. At the two mentioned, one pays for the surroundings, as well as for the food, and sometimes this is worth paying for. The restaurants of the present day, that approach nearest the old bohemian restaurants of pre-fire days, of the French class, are Jack's in Sacramento Street, between Montgomery and Kearney, Felix in Montgomery Street, between Clay and Washington, and the Poodle Dog Berges Franks, in Bush Street, between Kearney and Grant Avenue. In either of these restaurants you will be served with the best the market affords, cooked the right way. In Clay Street, opposite the California market, is the New Franks, one of the best of the Italian restaurants, and much patronized by Italian merchants. Next to it is Copa's, but it is no longer run by Copa. In this same district is the Mint, in Commercial Street, between Montgomery and Kearney Streets. It has changed from what it was in the old days, but is still an excellent place to dine. Negro's, at 625 Merchant Street, near the Hall of Justice, has quite a following of those whose business attaches them to the courts, and while many claim this is to be one of the best of its class, we believe the claim to be based less on good cooking than on the fact that the habitues are intimate, making it a pleasant resort for them. The cooking is good, and the variety what the market affords. In Washington Street, just off Columbus Avenue, is Benini's Barn making great pretense through a unique idea. So far as the restaurant is concerned, the food is a little below the average of Italian restaurants. One goes there once, through curiosity, and finds himself in a room that has all the appearance of the interior of a barn, with chickens and pigeons strutting around, harness hanging on pegs and hay and mangers, and all the farming utensils around to give it the verisimilitude of country. Tables and chairs are crude in the extreme, and old-time lanterns are used for lighting. It is an idea that is worth while, but, unfortunately, the proprietors depend too much on the decorative feature and too little on the food and how they serve it. The Fly Trap and Charlie's Fashion, the first in Sutter Street near Kearney and the other in Market near Sutter, serve well-cooked foods, especially soup, salads, and fish. Of course, these are not the entire menus, but of all the well-prepared dishes, these are their best. Felix, mentioned before, also makes a specialty of his family soup, which is excellent. Spanish dinners of good quality are to be had at the Madrilena, at 177 Eddy Street, and at the Castilian, at 344 Sutter Street. Both serve good Spanish dinners at reasonable prices. They serve table d'hote dinners, but you can also get Spanish dishes on special order. Under the Madenach building, in Market Street near 3rd, is Jules well-liked and well-patronized because of its good cooking and good service. Jewel is one of the noted restaurateurs of the city, having attained high celebrity before the fire. His prices are moderate, and his cooking and viands of the best, and will satisfy the most critical of the gourmets. At the corner of Market and Eddy Streets is the Odeon, down in a basement, with decorations of most garish order. There is a good chef, and the place has quite a vogue among lovers of good things to eat. Probably at no place in San Francisco can one find game cooked better than at Jack's, 615 Sacramento Street. His ducks are always cooked as to elicit high praise. He has an old-style French table d'hote dinner, which he serves for $1.25, including wine. 
or you may order anything in the market and you will find it cooked the best way. One of the specialties of Jack's is fish, for which the restaurant is noted. It is always strictly fresh and booked to suit the most fastidious taste. As it is in Germany. When you see August in repose, you involuntarily say, that is, if you understand German, Mir ist alles an, which is the German equivalent of, I should worry. When August is in action, you immediately get a thirst that nothing but a stein of cold beer will quench. August is the pride of the Heidelberg Inn at 35 Ellis Street. All you can see from the street as you pass around the corner from Market is a sign and some stairs leading down into a basement, but do not draw back just because it is a basement restaurant, for if you do, you will miss one of the very few real bohemian restaurants of San Francisco. Possibly our point of view will not coincide with that of others, but while there are dozens of other bohemian restaurants, there is but one Heidelberg Inn. Here is absolute freedom from irksome conventionality of other people, and none of the near-bohemianism of so many places claiming the title. At the Heidelberg Inn, one need never fear obtrusiveness on the part of other visitors, for here everybody attends strictly to his or her own party, enjoying a camaraderie that has all the genuine, whole-souled companionship found only where German families are accustomed to congregate, to seek relaxation from the toil and worry of the day. An evening spent in the Heidelberg Inn is one replete with character study that cannot be excelled anywhere in San Francisco, and this means that everybody there is worthwhile as a study, from the little bald-headed waiter Jaime, and the big imposing waiter August, to the Herr Doctor who comes to forget the serious surgical case that has been worrying him at the hospital. Here you do not find obtrusive waiters brushing imaginary crumbs from your chair with obsequious hand nor overzealous steward solicitous of your food's quality. It is all perfect because it is made perfect by good management. Here are German families, from Grossvater and Grossmutter down to the newest grandchild, sitting and enjoying their beer and listening to such music as can be heard nowhere else in San Francisco, as they eat their sandwiches of Limburger or more dainty dishes according to their tastes. One can almost imagine himself in one of the famous Rathskellers of old Heidelberg. Not at the Schloss, of course, for here you cannot look down on the Weiser as it flows beneath the windows of the great Weinstube on the hill. But you have the real atmosphere, and this is enhanced by the mottoes and decoration and the flagons, stems, and plaques that adorn the pillars, as well as typical German environment. It is when the martial strains of Die Wacht am Rhein are heard from the orchestra, which of itself is an institution, that the true camaraderie of the place is appreciated, for then guests, waiters, barkeepers, and even the eagle-eyed gray-haired manager join in the swelling chorus, and you can well understand why German soldiers are inspired to march to victory when they hear these stirring chords. But there is other music sometimes neither inspiring nor beautiful when heard in a German Rothskeller, the music of ragtime. If there is anything funnier than a German orchestra trying to play ragtime music, we have never heard it. It is unconscious humor on part of the orchestra, consequently is all the more excruciating. But if you really love good music, music that has melody and rhythm and soothing cadences, Go to the Heidelberg Inn and listen to the concert, which is a feature of the place every evening. And while you are listening to the music, you can enjoy such food as is to be found nowhere else in San Francisco, for it is distinctively Heidelbergian. We asked for the recipe that they consider the very best in the restaurant, and Hirsch, with the shrug of his shoulders, said, Oh, we have so many fine dishes. 
We finally got him to select the one prized above all others, and this is what Chef Scheiler gave us. German Sauerbraten Take four pounds of clear beef, from either the shoulder or rump, and pickle it for two days in one-half gallon of claret and one-half gallon of good wine vinegar, not cider. To the pickle, add two large onions cut in quarters, two fresh carrots, and about one ounce of mixed whole allspice, black peppers, cloves, and bay leaves. When ready for cooking, take the meat out of the brine and put in a roasting pan. Put in the oven and brown to a golden color. Then take it out of the roasting pan and put it into a casserole after sprinkling it with two ounces of flour. Put into the oven again and cook for half an hour, basting frequently with the original brine. When done, take the meat out of the sauce, strain the sauce through a fine colander and add a few raisins, a piece of honey cake or ginger snaps, and the meat of one fresh tomato. Season with salt and pepper and a little sugar to taste. Slice and serve with the sauce over it. For those who like German dishes and German cooking, it is not necessary to confine yourself to the Heidelberg Inn, for both the Hofbrau in market just above 4th Street and the German Haus Rathskeller at Turk and Polk Streets are good places where you can get what you want. The Hofbrau, however, is less distinctively German, as the greater number of its patrons are Americans. The specialty of the Hofbrau is abalones, and they have as a feature this shellfish cooked in several ways. They also have as the chef in charge of the abalone dishes Herbert, formerly chef of one of the yacht clubs of the coast, who claims to have the only proper recipe for making abalones tender. Under ordinary circumstances, the abalone is tough and unpalatable, but after the deft manipulation of Herbert, they are tender and make a fine dish, either fried, as chowder, or a la Newburg. In addition to abalones, the Hofbrau makes a specialty of little Oregon crawfish. While there is a distinctive German atmosphere at the Rathskeller of the German house, the place is too far out to gather such numbers as congregate at either the Heidelberg or the Hofbrau. But one can get the best of German cooking here and splendid service. And for a quiet little Dutch supper, we know of no place that will accommodate you better than the Rathskeller. On special occasions, when some German society or club is giving a dance or holding a meeting at the German house, the Rathskeller is the most typical German place in San Francisco. And if you go at such a time, you will get all the atmosphere you will desire, as well as the best the market affords in the way of good viands. End of section 6